again today as we study God's Word. We're talking about God's glory, and we started out uh, yesterday speaking about the people of Israel when they dedicated their first temple to God, and God's glory came down upon them after Solomon prayed, and the glory of God's presence was there. And I want you to notice the first priority and pattern and always, if we're going to have God's glory shine through us, is to obey God's directions. God directed the building of the temple. And David and Solomon obeyed down to the minute instructions concerning the building, the worship, the paraphernalia, everything that was related to it. And because of that, God's glory came upon it. You and I have to obey God. In the 40th chapter of the book of Exodus, the instructions were given earlier for the tabernacle, the tent, of meeting before they before they had a temple the bible says that six times in 11 verses the scripture says just as the lord commanded moses in other words they did just they built that temple just like god told them to and you and i have to obey god if we're going to have god's power his glory people are going to see us as God's children, they're going to see crisis. If we're going to be distinguished from all the other people on earth as God's people, well, we can't say, well, that little compromise won't hurt. That little sin won't matter. Well, that's not something very bad. It doesn't matter if I do that or go there or act that way. But it does because we want God to be seen in our lives, and he can't work when sin is in our lives. We have to confess sin and get that out, and we have to be obedient uh, and David, in his life, was king of Israel later, and he wanted the presence of glory of God to be where he lived. But the Ark of the Covenant, which was the symbol of God's presence, was not in the, its place at Jerusalem where David lived, so he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was simply a special container, wooden container, elaborately made, that was linked to God's presence. It was a symbol of God's presence. And, and he wanted to bring that to, to Jerusalem where he was living. And, and so he set out to do so. But he, he didn't listen to God. He didn't ask God how to do it or what to do. He just did it. And they built a cart. And they put the Ark of the Covenant on the cart. And they brought, started bringing it to Jerusalem. And on the way, the, the, they hit a bump in the road. And the cart almost fell off. But one of the men who was there reached out and grabbed the cart. And when he did, when he touched the Ark of the Covenant, he died. He was stricken dead. Now, what was going on here? Was God just being mean and haughty? No, it wasn't that at all. God had specifically laid out what should be done if they were to move the Ark of the Covenant. It was not supposed to travel on carts, but on the shoulders of the priest who would be praising God and the people who would be following along, worshiping God. It may seem pretty significant to us, but you see, obedience is never insignificant. Sometimes what God tells us to do and what God leads us to do is sometimes a little strange to us, weird to us, and especially to the world around us, which is so anti-God, it wouldn't understand at all so many things that God commands. A friend of mine received a very distressed call from a member of his church. I'm so confused, I don't even know whether I'm really a believer anymore. They met together, and he said, I don't sense God's presence in my life anymore. Does that mean I'm not a Christian, that I'm not going to heaven? 
the pastor asked him to share about how he believed he came into relationship with Christ and how by faith he received Christ. And, and the pastor said, well, I told him to get alone and ask God to speak to him by his spirit, revealing if there was any area of his life where he was out of fellowship with God and where he was violating a specific known command. The next morning, my pastor friend said my phone rang. It was the member that had visited him the night before with excitement in his voice. He said, I need to talk with you right away. And he said, Preacher, you won't believe what God showed me last night. He showed me that I was going through these days of absolute torment because of a specific sin I'm committing. And he related how for several months ago I stopped practicing the biblical principle of tithing. I thought to myself that I just don't have enough money to tithe, to give God 10% any longer. And he said almost immediately I began losing that sense of the intimate fellowship with the Lord. And he said, finally now, God has shown me the problem, and I'm getting it right, and I'm beginning again to tithe and to show God that I'm serious with him. You see, God does not want your money. He wants you. But if he has you, he'll have your money. The pastor said, you see, obedience brings blessing, but disobedience brings difficulty. Now, another thing that God said we are to do if we're to prepare for God's glory is there is necessity for confession and cleansing. In 2 Corinthians 5.11, the priest came forth from the holy place for all the priests were present and had sanctified themselves, and all of the priests <coughs> had, had confessed their sins and made sure they were clean and cleansed and made sure that day as they stood in the temple for the first time in this new temple and they were clean before God. It was a time of confession. Jesus twice in Scripture cleansed the temple, drove out the money changers. My house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves, Jesus said. It's only when we have cleansing and get our sins right that God's glory can really shine through our lives. And like the man I talked about earlier who didn't sense God's presence because he was disobeying God, Obedience is a part of that, and disobedience is sin. Another priority for preparing for God's glory is to praise him. And when we praise him, we invite him to be present in a more powerful way. The Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. At the temple dedication, there was so much praise with cymbals and harps and lyres and 120 trumpets in unison. Instruments of music were used to praise and glorify the Lord. The whole purpose of those instruments was not to glorify the player of the instrument, but the Lord. And can you imagine 120 trumpets in unison, hundreds of harps and cymbals and all kinds of musical instruments? They also praised God with their singing. The Levitical singers sang to the Lord, and they made themselves heard with one voice, the Scripture says, to praise and glorify the Lord. They joined their hearts and they joined their voices in praising God. And it was not that they might be seen, it was not that they might be noticed, but it was that God might be seen and noticed. They were glorifying him. They were recognizing him. They were acknowledging him as king and lord of everything. It's so important that we praise, that we just give gratitude to God for who he is and for what he's done. And it welcomes him into our lives. The Bible says in Psalm 22, 3, you that are holy, O Lord, you are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Enthroned means simply to sit down. It is used of the judge who sits down in his chair in the courtroom. 
and it's used of the king who sits down uh, on, in his palace at his throne. And when we invite Jesus, when we praise him, we invite him to sit down in our lives and sit down in our homes and sit down with us. So let's do that today. Begin to praise him, begin to thank him, begin to acknowledge him, give him glory. God bless you. Have a great day.